Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Um, and that's, that's hard. When you're, when, you're a, when you're a worshiper, you got no voice, like, what do you do? For, for, for those of you who don't know how to sing good, what do y'all, what do, y'all do? Give me some tips. <laughs> I still got the jokes. I ain't got the voice, but I got the jokes. Uh, Y'all dance, amen. Amen, y'all just sing your little heart out anyways. Well, praise God, praise God. I'm I'm, I'm excited for our night of worship. Hopefully I'm I'm better by then, but if not, we're still gonna worship, amen. Um, These these nights are are, are powerful. There's no no preaching, There's there's no special word. It's just the people of God coming together and doing what the people of God do, and that's honoring their heavenly Father. So I want to I want to invite you uh, again. I just want to invite you to to come um, this morning. I have a I have a word that <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe maybe it's good that I don't have my voice because it's not it's not like one of those Pentecostal words. Um, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit it's gonna be a little bit different, but it's an important word, and I want to I want to share it with I want to share it with the with the house of Numa. Um, I know we, we probably have visitors here this morning, and we welcome you. We love you already, and, and you know, we, we, uh, we uh, already consider you family. If you don't have a home church of your own, um, feel free to, to make NUMA, NUMA home. But I have a word for, for the people of the house this morning, and I'm going to ask for your, your full, undivided attention if you can bear with this voice of mine. Um, and with that, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read James. James chapter 2, 14 through 26. <clears throat> 14 through 26. My sister Alexa was also supposed to leave this morning, but she was sick. So it was funny. Uh, Brother David, he, he said, the Cantus today couldn't. So he disrespected my family name. <laughs> if you have it, give me a, an Amen. And I don't, I don't, I, we're having some issues with the projector this morning. We need those LED panels, right? Uh, I'm going to give you the price. I'm going to give you the price because I found out. I found out. Let's see before y'all say amen. For those 40 panels of 40 grand. Where the amen is at? Amen. James chapter 2, 14 through 26. The word of God says, What good is it? I'm reading from the NLT. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces some good deeds It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe uh, that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. 
And, and so it happened just as the scripture says, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And he was called a friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She, has, uh, she was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without works. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, my God, for this word that you've given to your servant, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would, you would be uh, on my lips, Holy Spirit, my God, to deliver this word to your people this morning. I pray that we, as your people, would receive it, my God, with conviction, my God. And I pray, Lord, that we would apply it, my God. We would not be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word, Father. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just manifest yourself this morning, my God. And every, every person here, Father, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. How about that William this morning, man? Amen. Will, Will, is, Will is full of surprises, man. I, I, remember, I remember when he started playing the drums. It came out of nowhere. I was like, you know how to play the drums? He was like, I guess. You know, like, I don't even think he knew he knew how to play the drums. But, um, and, and, then, and then, I mean, this morning, I had first time here, you know, leading at our church. And he, you know, he sings. But uh, praise God for, for him. Amen. Um, the title of my message this morning is, is What Good? What Good? Somebody say that this morning. What Good? Y'all going to have to help me preach this morning because I don't know if I'm going to make it very far with this voice. Um, but over, over the past you know, several months, I, I've, been, I've been getting kind of you know, really involved in what's, what's been called um, Christian community development, which I'd, I'd love to share with you more um, in the coming weeks, coming months. But it's basically this idea that, you know, as Christians, we are called to be merciful. We're called to love our neighbors and we're called to love our communities. Right. None of this is new. I mean, I've I've preached messages about this for years and it's all over scripture. It's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. God is a God uh, for the outcast, for the orphan, for the widow, for the poor, for the hungry, for the needy. Right. And, and if that's not if that's the heart of God, that must be the heart of, of the church. And. You know, many churches, not, not all churches, but many have gotten lost in, in the institution of the church and have forgotten about the mission of the church, to go out, to make disciples, right? Those were the parting words of Jesus. If Jesus told you before he left, you personally, go out and make disciples, I want you to answer and be honest with yourself, how many of us can say that we've actually done that? Jesus looked at you and said, all right, I'm going to be back. I'll be back when I'm back. In the meantime, go and make disciples. And with Jesus, you know, he, he sent his Holy Spirit to empower the church for that mission, right? And the Holy Spirit has imparted all kinds of gifts upon the church, many of which we see today. <clears throat> and I wanted, to, I wanted to bring this word um, today out of James because, you know, if, if, we're, not, if we're not careful, church, we can, we can fall into the trap of keeping the gifts for ourselves without ever deploying the gifts into the lost world, effectively forgetting the whole point of what it is to be the church. I'm not going to get a lot of amens today because I'm, talk, I'm talking to you, Numa Church. After the events, you know, that took place at, at, at Pentecost, what did the disciples do? They went out. They went out. They, Peter preached 
out. He, went in, he was one of those street preachers. I've, you know, growing up, I always thought those street preachers were, were cringy, man, because they were just the way that they, uh, the way that they spoke. But now, growing up, man, I, I have the utmost respect for, for most of them, you know, because they're doing the work of taking the gospel into the world. And many, many, maybe many people walk by and they don't, they don't listen. They don't, they pay no mind, but maybe there's somebody that day that walks by and says, thank you. I would have never heard this in church because I don't go to church. Peter and, and, and John, they went out to heal the paralytic. They went out to build the church immediately after Pentecost. They, the first thing they did was not get together and schedule you know, uh, a special service for themselves immediately after Pentecost. I'm not saying that they didn't, that didn't happen. It did happen. But their priority was to bring the good news to those who needed to receive it. And then, and then they began to teach from within the walls of the church, right? They preached out and they brought in and then they began to teach and preach within the walls of the church. <clears throat> and both are very important, but for a long time, the typical model of church has been to stay inside the church and to teach and to preach within the church. And it's just not a model that we see in the early church. We saw the disciples of Jesus proactively going out and bringing in to the body of Christ. And I think, you know, this isn't a message that many Christians are open to receiving because it challenges our cherished beliefs on what it means to be the church. Most Christians like to go to church, but being the church, honestly, we don't really know what to do with that. I know how to go to church. I got my church clothes. I got my spots that I go to after church. I got my church friends and we hang out. But what does it mean to be the church? A couple weeks ago, um, there was this, there was this uh, Christian community development kind of workshop seminar um, that, I, that I was invited to. And, I, you know, we brought, we brought the pastoral team from, from here. And um, then we kind of had like this debrief and just to kind of process the information. And I really like what Pastor Marisa said. She was speaking about, speaking about our church because we were kind of analyzing ourselves. And I like what she said. She said, for a long time, we have been a church for me and my family. <clears throat> and that's kind of been the mentality. And there's nothing wrong with that. I want a church for me and my family. I want a church where my kids can grow and learn. I want a church where there's something for me and my spouse. And we have tried to be that. We have tried to be a church for your, your family, for your children, for your spouses. And we have an awesome marriage ministry. We have awesome men's ministry and awesome women's ministry. But the thing that we lack a little bit, I, I, I've been told recently, is a, is a good singles ministry. So we're, 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 we're working on that. But, you know, I, I want to be a church where it's like, you know, if we can, if we can, Make sure that no one's falls through the cracks. And there's always going to be somebody that falls through the cracks. But I want to be intentional about that. I want this to be a, a place for you and for your family and for your cousins and for, for, your, for your tios and your tias. I want this to be a church for them. But also, it has to go further than that. We can't just stop there. We can't be satisfied with stopping there as a church. Yes, I want my family serving the Lord, and I will bring them to church, and I will fill them with the word, and we will disciple them at home. But the Bible doesn't even give us an option. It requires a church that demonstrates the gospel to its neighbor. Jesus sent out his disciples, if you remember, in Matthew 10. 
he sends out um, the, the 70, right? And, and at first he says, I want you to only go to the lost sheep of Israel. Don't go into the town of Samaria. Don't go to the Gentiles. This is first, go to Israel, the lost sheep, your family, your people, my people, the chosen people of God, because they need to hear the kingdom of God first. And then... At the end of Matthew, what does Jesus say? Okay, now it's time to take this message into all the world. Go into all the world. Not just, not, just, not just the chosen people of God, but now take it to the Gentile nations, the, the nations who haven't even heard the name of God. Take it to them. And what I notice about James is what when he talks about faith and works going hand in hand, um, he talks about them in a very different way than we do. You know, when we talk about faith and works, we typically mean what? Um, you can't just say that you believe. You have, to, you have to have Christian conduct. You have to read your word. You have to pray. You have to mature. And all of that is true. But we completely miss the point that James is trying to make. Because in this chapter, he's not even talking about prayer. He's not talking about fasting. He's not talking about reading your word. He assumes all of that comes with being a Christian because it does. Right? Don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. But for James, the Christian work, the good deeds come in the form of service to those in need. What does James 127 uh, say? He says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And James is just echoing what is repeatedly seen in the Old Testament. And he's talking about not dishonoring the poor. And he's talking about not showing partiality to the rich. When the rich walk in and when the poor walk in, we tend the rich and not the poor. And we tell the poor to go sit somewhere else and don't make a disturbance. But, but Mr. Rich Man, you can take any seat in the house. He's talking about clothing. He's talking about feeding. And you say, well, pastor, we do that. We clothe and feed with the word. That's great. We need to do that. But that's not what James is talking about. And so James is challenging these Christians who believe that they're doing good by their faith. And he says, what good? What good is it to pray for the needy here at the altar? But once they're back outside, we forget about them. What good is a word of encouragement and a word of faith when there is no follow-up, when there is no relationship, when there's no connection, when, there, when we're not going deeper, we're just going wide. Look, I, I'm, not, I'm not advocating for us to give money to people off the street. I'm not saying you need to go and feed every hungry person that you see. I have gone broke trying to help people. <laughs> And it don't take a lot to, to make me broke, right? But, you know, <laughs> I have gone broke trying to help people. And, you know, this is not what the Bible's even calling for. I'm, not, I'm also not saying neglect your family to tend to those in need. I'm not saying neglect your church to tend to those in need. No, your, your church needs you. Your family needs you. What I'm calling for and what I believe Scripture is calling for is for a heart of compassion for its neighbor. The Bible says in Matthew 9 that Jesus, he was walking through the villages one day in the cities and he had compassion for people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They had no direction, they had no help, they had no pastor, they had nobody to care for them, no one to give them hope. I remember going to, to Octo uh, October, I remember going to uh, New York last October. I'm sick, guys, give me some grace. 
went to, to New York, and I, I love New York, man. I thought it was, I, I didn't think I was going to like it. I thought I was going to hate it. Um, and I had no desire to go and visit, but I, I did, and I, I loved it. I enjoyed the city. I, I just enjoyed the energy, and, and uh, I mean, New York is a, a city half the geographic size of Houston with four times the amount of people. That's crazy. And so, like, the energy was just 10 out of 10. There was always something to do, always something good to eat. I, I loved it. But I remember walking back from, from um, to our hotel one night. We had just watched a Broadway show, and it was kind of scary, man. I'm not going to lie. I felt like Kevin McAllister, like, in the last, last city, just creepy people everywhere. And, and we had Layla and my niece with me, and so we were having to cover their eyes for every little thing. We saw people walking around in underwear in the streets. Like, that's, like... And, and, and just, they'll just have a conversation with you. Like, this is normal. This is what we do here in New York. We walk, walk around in our underwear. Uh, we saw people doing drugs. We saw these really demonic-looking masks. It was October, you know, so we saw a lot of that. And I just, I remember thinking for a moment, man, how many of these people don't have Jesus? A city with 8 million people. I, I think I only saw, like, two churches. That's not to say that there's not more, but, I mean, you, you turn your neck, man. You'll see a church here in Houston. And I just, I remember, you know, having a really good time. And then for a moment, I was really sad in my spirit because, man, these people are living life without a shepherd. And how many of them are, are, are living it up right now? But when death comes, death comes. And so as people of faith, man, we, we, have, to, we have to feel that. We have to feel that. It can't just be the pastors. It can't just be the missionaries. It's got to be the church. It's got to be the church. First John 3.16. I want you to write that down, highlight it, and, and, and remember what it says. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we, also, uh, we ought to give up our life for our brothers and sisters. If, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so that we will be confident when we stand before God. Read that last part again for for me. I'm good. Thank you, bro. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so that we will be confident when we stand before God. I wonder if the inverse of that is true. I wonder if the opposite is true. Like, if we should be confident because of the work that we've done that demonstrates that we belong to God, does that mean that we should be nervous when we have not? Does it mean that I should be nervous when I approach God on judgment day and I'm standing before the throne and I said, God, I was a pastor. God, I prayed. God, I fasted. God, I read my word. But did you care for those in need? No. Should I be nervous? According to this, I should be. And I want to stand before God in confidence, saying that, God, I I had faith and I demonstrated it by being an extension of your love to the world. Are you following me this morning? Again, we, we see John. John has the same idea as James. No action, good works. Not even not even for God, but for people. The Bible, the Bible doesn't teach a work-based salvation. I want to get that clear, you know, just in case I'm confusing anybody. Your works, your good deeds, they won't save you. Not at all. Not at all. 
And I believe that there's going to be people one day who've done the most for humanity, but did not acknowledge God, did not walk with Jesus, and they will not have salvation, right? Because at the end of the day, it is, it, we are saved by grace through faith. But when it comes to people, good works matters to God. And it's, it's not about pleasing people over God. It's about pleasing, peop- it's about pleasing God by, pleasing, or by helping those that are in need. Israel was constantly being rebuked for two things. Their idolatry and because of their oppression to the needy. If you read it, I mean, read Isaiah 1, read Jeremiah 29, Deuteronomy 15. God desires his people to care for the lost, for the ones that don't have him, for the ones that need him. And it's, it's interesting to me that, that James and John, they, they really highlight this. They're the ones that highlight this. Jesus, uh, James was the half-brother of, of Jesus. Uh, John was the apostle whom Jesus loved, right? He might have been his best friend. I don't know. But in either case, both of these men understood the heart of their Lord very, very well. They knew what Jesus was about. And they're telling us these things matter. And so I want to begin challenging this idea that so many of us had have that everything needs to be supernatural because I, I don't know that God will continuously use someone in the supernatural when they continuously refuse to be used in the natural the supernatural speaks of God through you but the natural speaks of God in you The book of Acts says that many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. But God in you, that is the way that you think. That is what moves your heart. That is what causes you to get up in the morning. God in your mind, God in your heart. That is what it means for God to be in you. And we're constantly praying, God, speak through me. Do through me. So that, so that people could be ministered to. I wonder if God is saying, how about you show them God in you first? Show them God in you before you want to demonstrate me through you. You know, we, we've, we've, we've long prayed. God, I've long prayed. I pray it every day, I think. God, use Numa in this community for healing, for deliverance for freedom, for salvation, and for miracles. Let this be an altar. I pray over this altar all the time. Let miracles happen at this altar. Let cancer be cured at this altar. Bring in that blind man. Bring him in so that he could receive his sight again. Let this be, let, let us be known for the miraculous. I'm praying that. I know you're praying that. But I want you to also realize that there are people in this community who can still be served without a supernatural event. What we have seen in the Bible when it comes to miracles, it's after, after the people of God have exhausted their natural efforts, right? Did you hear that? After they have exhausted their natural efforts. When the people of God have obeyed, they have done the work that was asked of them. I'm reminded of, of, the, of the woman who had the discharge of blood. The Bible says after she had seen all of these doctors and after she had spent all of this money, she, she's trying. But when you can't no more, that is when God steps in and does what man cannot. 
But if we're just waiting around and saying, okay, God, send in the needy and then you do the miracle, what does that say about us? In the same way, I pray God use me in the prophetic. I need to pray God use me in the practical. In the same way you say, God, increase my wisdom so that I can give people godly advice. Also pray God, increase my generosity. God, increase my faith, but also increase my compassion. We sound sound so spiritual, man, when we we say, brother, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'll I'll be praying for you. But sometimes people won't receive your spiritual care until they receive your practical care. I have, I have three different people right now in my life that are going through some of the toughest seasons of their life. One of them is going through a divorce. Another one is on the brink of divorce. Another one is just, he's just, just beaten by life. None of them come to our church, but they know that I'm a Christian. And they reach out. And they reach out to me and, and they confide in me and they tell me, you know, what's going on in their life. And I, don't get me wrong, I tell them I'm going to be praying for you. But I don't just say I'm going to be praying for you and then don't give them love. Prayer is powerful. I'm not undermining that. But this is what James is talking about. It, it, it's, it's, sometimes it's a spiritual cop-out when it's not met with genuine care and, and love and nurture. These, these, uh, these three individuals, man, I've, I've, taken, I've taken each of them out to lunch. I've, I've had hour-long phone calls with them. I've invested in them emotional, uh, emotionally. Some, some have been going through this process for like two years. And I got a text message this week from, from one of them. Um, and, and when he sent it, man, I just I started, I started choking up. I started crying. Because he said, he said, out of all the people who have told me they're praying for me, you're the only one I believe actually is. People won't receive your spiritual care until they receive your practical care. Some people, you know, some people don't know how to do good, you know, other than through prayer and, and, and you know, giving someone a Bible verse. I mean, I, I get it. Sometimes it's like, what can we do? We're not Jesus. We don't go around healing lepers. We don't go around feeding the multitudes. Some people in the church can't, can't help the poor because they're broke. But again, this isn't about handouts. This isn't about money. This is about caring for people the way that Jesus cared for people, creating relationships with them so that then transformation can happen. And I love that, that James brings up Rahab, man. Rahab was a prostitute. And, and the Israelite spies, these men of God, men of valor, they go into the house of the prostitute. Bro, that's wild to me. Imagine a bunch of, imagine the men's ministry. <laughs> imagine the men's ministry. Get back home after the men's retreat. Babe, you won't believe what happened. <laughs> but, but, but to them, it, it, it didn't matter that she was a prostitute. In the enemy's camp, she, she received the, the men of God believing that their God was powerful. And in turn, the men didn't just judge her and and shun her and avoid her. They showed her compassion and they showed her mercy. Everyone in this story put their faith to work. And and, and what came of it? The spies came out alive. They spared Rahab 
and her family and, 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 and generations later, our Messiah, Jesus Christ, was born from the line of Rahab. Got to care. Got to be a church that cares more than just about what we're doing, just about what's on the calendar. I've, I've been in discussion with, uh, with somebody uh, this week, some, some people. One, one guy in particular, he's a friend of mine. He's a pastor here in East End. He's got a huge heart for, for community. He loves, um, he, loves, you know, he loves people. He lives here in, in East End. He's a great guy. And we met recently to kind of discuss ways of, of, of getting pastors in this kingdom mindset. Pastors in this community, we kind of had this idea of, look, a lot of times one church, you know, especially smaller churches, they can't, they don't have much of a reach. They don't have a lot of resources sometimes. What, what would it look like if we got pastors together, churches together in the community, and instead of putting our logo on things, and, and instead of saying, oh, well, it's, this, this is a Pentecostal thing, this is an Assemblies of God thing, this is a Methodist thing, instead of, you know, worrying about the, the, the logos and the church names and the denominations, what if the kingdom came together to serve? What would that look like? What would that look like? Because, look, a lot of times... To people in the community, an outreach event just looks like a marketing event. And, and we mean well, right? But, but sometimes that's what it looks like. Hey, we're going to give you all this on Saturday. Make sure you're here Sunday. And that's, that's not, obviously, it's not the message that we're trying to send. But what if we just genuinely just said, you know what? No one here's got hats. You know, no one's here. No one here. It's, it's, it's not about um, who's doing what, what role I have, what role you have. It's about we're just serving. Because that is, that is the heart of God. I'm challenging the church. Can we really get to the heart of God? That is the heart of God. That is the heart of God. God wants people for him. He wants a people to him. He wants a people that he could call his own. And, and, and maybe some of us are satisfied because we're like, well, I'm, I'm, that, I'm that people. We're that people. But God is looking for a kingdom to be built, not to be settled in yet. The settlement comes after Jesus comes. Right now, we're still in building process. We're still in building mode. So we were talking and, um, you know, we got together and kind of were asking, like, okay, what what is going to be some of the, uh, you know, some of the setbacks, some of the. What are some pastors going to say? Why are they going to say no to this? Because it's, it's inevitable. Some people may just say no. And I think it's because um, we, we agree that, that, that getting pastors to see the importance of this, you know, this type of work, it, 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 it's vital. You know? and, but I think the challenge is that we have been so conditioned on a me-centric gospel where the church has to serve me rather than the church serving others. And we're just not used to that. We're not. The majority of pastors are focusing on Sundays. I mean, we are. I'm thinking about Sundays. I love Sundays. But, like, that's, that's, that's where the work is. It's on Sunday. It's on the in-house ministries. All of that is important. I'm not saying that that's not important. But there has to be room there has to be room for loving our neighbor. And honestly, I, I just don't think most churches know how to go about this, man. I, I think many of them want to. 
But the question of, of, of how is a hard one to answer, and so many people just don't, don't do it. But, what, man, what would it look like if we got excited for reaching our community like we did attending a men's conference? We, we get hundreds of people at our conferences, and I'm proud of that. I'm proud of our conferences because we are being, we're, we're, we're a part of this movement in our city that people are impacted by and they want to be a part of. I love that. So, so a pastor friend of mine, he, he, he said, um, Numa, he said, it was, I don't know, it was a couple, I don't know, a year ago, maybe two years ago, he said, Numa is going to be known in this city because they invest in, in, in people through, through marriage conferences through women's conferences, through men's conferences. I love that. I love when he said that. I, I, I was so proud because I had, asked, I had asked God, you know, long before I even became a pastor, I said, God, I want, I, want, I want us to invest in people, you know, and I want it to be about kingdom and I want people to come in and I want them to be fed. And we are, and we're living in that. But let's be honest. We're a lot more excited about a conference than we are serving our community. Sometimes getting people to volunteer and something that's not exactly church related. It's not at church. It's like pulling teeth sometimes. I'm talking to you, Numa. I was at at another. I'm just talking today. I'm just talking. I'm not even preaching. I was. I usually preach. Okay, it's usually fire, guys. uh, If you're visiting. I was uh, I was at another meeting this week with uh, David and Rachel. You guys know David and Rachel. They have big hearts for this stuff. They both work, you know, for organizations that, that are really big on this. And, and Melissa and I, you know, we had dinner with them, and we were just kind of talking about all this. And, and I said, I think the hardest part for any pastor, especially one of an established church like ours, is kind of shifting the culture from in-house ministry to outreach ministry. And Melissa checked me. She said something very wise. And she said, you don't have to shift the culture. You just need to expand it. She's preaching next week. I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, she's not. <laughs> we, what, what we have in our, in, in our church is, is good and praiseworthy. And my God, I'm still blown away by the growth that, that we have seen um, in, in our church and in our people and in our leaders. And, you know, over the course of just a few years, God has done great, amazing things. But it's time to expand. It's time to expand our reach. And I'm, and I'm calling, listen. This is the practical part, okay? I'm going to have the worship team come up. I'm, I'm, I'm calling on our church to get on board. Listen, our leaders are busy. Our leaders are busy. Sometimes there's a, there's a, 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 a new initiative that we want to start. Sometimes people come to me and are like, Pastor, we need, we need small groups. And I'm like, I know, but I don't know who to ask. Because I'm not going to put another thing on the plate of of our leaders because I don't want burnout to happen. So I am calling upon the church, the church to step up and get more involved in the heart of God and in the mission of the church. I'm not going to ask you to teach or preach, at least not yet until you get on my radar, right? I'm not going to ask you to lead, but I, I want, we need your help. We need your help. And honestly, I might not even have something for you to do right now, but we just need people that are available, willing. Sometimes when we have an idea, we're always thinking about, okay, who could do this? And we just go through, we just go through the leadership. And it's like, no. The church, the community, 
the members. I'm talking to you. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how you can help yet, but there's there's something. And just just to kind of share with you, you know, Numa's Closet serving people every week, every single week. They have appointments every week. They, Juan and Letty, who are not here today, um, but they they came to me recently and they're like, hey, we we need to we need more room. We need to expand our room. And I'm like, oh, if we really have more room, like that's what you got. Don't throw fit, right? But they're like, we need more room. We have a lot of donations. People are giving, we have people coming in, they're, they're, they're taking these things. And so now, so we, we cleared out that, that junk crew on the corner in the fellowship hall. And we expanded that, so now we have a his and hers closet, Numa's closet, right? Like these things are, they're, they're actually working. And we're able to go in and and, and, and just make connections with people and love people the way that Jesus did and sit down at their table and make them feel not, not inferior because you have needs. We all have needs. But just to love with the love of Christ. I always quote this. Sign me up. I don't even have the help yet. But I said, sign us up. We're going to figure it out. I just, I just, I just want us to, I just want us to love the way that Jesus loved me. And not, not be so inwardly focused. And I'm not saying that we are, but we have been institutionalized by this idea of, of church. And this is the way the church is. And you come and you meet on a Sunday and then you go out and then you just Naked. 
righteous, the church will say, If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.